Welcome to another episode of the Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss a public health alert for frozen chicken, a maternal health initiative, and new mental health product suites. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 87 for the week of May 31st. I'm Matt Moneypenny. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is T23.06, burn of unspecified degree of back of hand, right? So when this podcast comes out, we're recording this on Friday, it will be Memorial Day. But today it is currently not Memorial Day as it's it's what I'm, uh, you know, when I'm recording. So in other words, if this diagnosis code were to happen, it may likely happen to you on Memorial Day, right? Or me on Memorial Day. But the overall sense of this code being in this podcast is be careful if you're grilling this weekend. <laughs> that's, that's the big takeaway. So with that, let's get into the news. First up, we have chickened out about a public health alert. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food and Safety and Inspection Services issued a public health alert for fully cooked frozen diced chicken. This includes over 130,000 pounds of the product for a possible listeria contamination. The chicken was distributed by Big Daddy Foods Incorporated. It was also distributed to consumers at local Florida food banks and individual food boxes. The problem was discovered during routine FSIS inspection activities. The chicken was packaged on January 25th, January 26th, March 23rd, and March 24th. There's concern that consumers may still have unused portions in their home freezers because of the long-time shelf life. FSIS advises all consumers to reheat the ready-to-eat products until steaming hot. So far, there are no reports of adverse reactions due to consumption of these products. Yeah, so, you know, on top of the chicken shortage, there is a chicken recall for this frozen diced chicken from Big Daddy Foods Incorporated. So. Um, it, you know, I don't know if you heard about the chicken shortage, but if you're a fan of like Chick-fil-A or, or Popeye's, I mean, this is kind of, uh, this chicken shortage is a big deal. So now this industry has to deal with a recall of 130,000 pounds of chicken as well. So, um, if you're eating chicken, you know, stock up, but not of this type of chicken, stock up of regular chicken, because you could always buy fresh chicken and dice it, then cook it, then put it in your freezer in the same way, right? It's not as convenient, but it is possible. And it's a lot less likely to have listeria, according to this story. So, um, you know, be careful with your chicken. Make sure you check your freezers, clean those out, make a routine decision to do the same. And uh, yeah. Next up, aiming for better maternal health. The Arizona Hospital and Healthcare Association, or AZHHA, announced that more than 30 hospitals have joined a statewide collaborative to protect moms before, during, and after labor and delivery. The goal is to reduce severe maternal morbidity related to hypertensive disorders of pregnancy by 20% within 18 months. Each year in Arizona, around 70 women die within 365 days of pregnancy. 15 to 20 of these deaths are pregnancy-related cases. The Alliance for Innovation of Maternal Health, or AIM, is part of a national movement to standardize maternal care. AZHHA is leading the Arizona AIM Collaborative to help birthing facilities implement 
evidence-based maternal safety bundles, starting with the AIM Severe Hypertension in Pregnancy Bundle. So yeah, we've had a lot of stories about pregnancy over the past couple weeks here, and it's obviously a good thing because most of the time it's towards initiatives or studies or things like that that kind of help, um, you know, pregnant women, which is an overall good thing. I think we can all agree that that is a good initiative um, by the AZHHA and the AIM. If you didn't catch all of those acronyms, <laughs> there they are again. Um, you know. 70 women die within 365 days in pregnancy in Arizona, right? So, you know, you could you could say maybe that doesn't sound like that many. I mean, that's still a significant number in my opinion. And that's just Arizona. It's not even saying, you know, on a national level, I imagine that that number is much higher. So starting in a, in a state where maybe that happens more frequently um, is is a good idea. And I think that's what they're doing here. So awesome. Next up, a sweet new package to address mental health. The healthcare company Limbic has launched a suite of products to help address the rising need for mental health services. The products are designed to help clinicians by using AI to provide support at different stages of treatment. Clinicians start with Limbic Self-Care, which provides instant support to patients while they're waiting for treatment. It checks in with patients 24-7 with evidence-based digital therapy and uses collected data to create a clinical profile. It transitions to limbic care once the patient is assigned to a therapist. This provides therapists with insights to accelerate diagnosis and treatment, facilitates remote monitoring, and provides patients with personalized tips in between sessions. After the treatment, the platform moves to Limbic Prevent to offer personalized coping strategies designed by the patient's therapist. The goal is to mitigate the risk of relapse, which impacts over half of mental health patients. Yeah, so the fact that it checks this app checks in 24-7 with the patient is awesome. And, you know, I feel like the term AI is kind of thrown around a lot. It's, it's, it's a huge buzzword right now. Um, you know, instead of using the term automated, it's like AI, right? Is it actually AI-driven? Is there actually artificial intelligence code within this product? I'm not sure. Um, it seems like this is more of a, a kind of press release story where Limbic is talking about this new suite of products that they, that they release. Now, obviously, those products do have good intentions in mind, so it is nice to cover them. Um, but, you know, digital therapy, it just kind of, it's a huge trend right now, right? I mean, it goes back to telehealth, which was accelerated because of COVID-19. And now it's also uh, kind of the new standard. Um, a lot of, a lot of tech, technology companies are kind of jumping on the train of providing telehealth services to therapists, behavioral health counselors, or uh, doctors and, and, and nurses. So it's a very uh, interesting field. It sounds like this is kind of a cool strategy. I mean, anything that kind of helps with addiction is good. I'm very, you know, I could play devil's advocate here and be like, I don't really, I don't know how effective remote care for someone who is an addict would work. Because I feel like a lot of that is trying to fight the cravings and things like that. Now, I'm not an addict and I don't know an addict, so I, I don't necessarily know what that's like. But I, I would be interested in, in seeing the success rate of this once it's actually launched. And with that, let's go into the next section. B-R-E-A-C-H. Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol. We talk about the latest breaches all across the world. 
First up, we have public worry over private data leak. Indonesian authorities summoned state insurer BPJS Kasiatin, which provides universal health care coverage, as part of an investigation into an alleged breach. There was news last week that a trove of social security data was posted on a hacking forum causing unease in the country. The data sample involved 100,000 people, but the seller claims to have access to the data of around 1 million people. A spokesman from BPJS said that its technicians were working to uncover the cause of the breach. Some experts say that the breach points to Indonesia's weak cybersecurity infrastructure. You know, I thought, you know, it's, um, it was only a matter of time before the countries that have a lot of population um, but don't have very good infrastructure and are a little bit behind on the times started to experience more cybersecurity breaches. And unfortunately, Indonesia falls under one of those categories. Um, you know, they're obviously not a third world country, but they don't have everything that the United States or Canada or, you know, the UK have in terms of protecting their country from a cybersecurity standpoint. And obviously, this study or this story is proof of that. I mean, a million people and their social security information, that's huge. That's like no small thing. And, you know, this, this could be the hacker just over-exaggerating to make things worse, to, to cause more panic, to get paid sooner. Um, but 100,000 people is not small either. So um, hopefully they can kind of figure this out um, and maybe Indonesia will learn from this mistake and increase their cybersecurity efforts. Next up, one breach leads to another. Fashion model Stephanie Huffman is suing the law firm Goldberg Segala for allegedly leaking her information on Pacer in a data breach case she brought against her former modeling agency. She first alleged that major model management incorporated collected personal data from its models but failed to keep the data secure. Then Goldberg, which represents MMMI, disclosed Huffman's information twice to the public. The first filing was made on December 3rd when Goldberg disclosed her social security number, birth date, passport information, and other personal data without redactions in the Manhattan federal court. The U.S. district judge sealed the filing, but Goldberg then refiled the exhibit and only partially redacted Huffman's social security number and birth date. The file stayed like this until January 29th. Huffman said that third-party credit institutions and prospective employers had told her that her social security number is being used for fraudulent criminal activity. Okay, so she's going to win this lawsuit. <laughs> if she can actually prove the uh, fraudulent criminal activity happening with the social security information, she's going to win this lawsuit. And the reason why that is, is because, you know, Goldberg, uh, her law firm that she hired, you know, if they're dealing with sensitive information as a business, it is their responsibility to also protect that information, right? And the fact that they didn't protect that information and left it sitting there for over almost two months uh, is not a good thing. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I think it's just one of those things where, it, you know, the lawyer got this information. Huffman gave the lawyer information, or Huffman gave this information to her lawyer. The lawyer then gave it to his uh, secretary. The secretary then submitted it because she thought it was okay. And then uh, it went to the courts and was exposed. So, you know, it goes back to um, understanding what kind of data you're dealing with and really paying attention to and securing the data if it's sensitive in nature. So, 
And finally, nothing peachy about this breach. Peach State Health Management doing business as Eon Clinical Laboratories has settled with the Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights for $25,000 over HIPAA failures. The settlement stems from a January 2015 security incident reported to the OCR by the Department of Veterans Affairs. A review was launched to determine compliance with the HIPAA privacy and security rules and uncovered multiple potential HIPAA security violations by Peach State. The breach impacted 7,000 veterans and was caused by a flaw in the vendor's system. The investigation determined that the impacted data was only exposed to vendor and VA staff, which is Veterans Affairs. Data included names, dates of birth, contact details, and patient identification numbers. Peach State Healthcare has agreed to a corrective action plan with three years of monitoring to resolve the potential violations of the HIPAA security rule. So Peach State Health Management was doing business, is now doing business as Eon Clinical Laboratories. And do you think that this brand change and this brand name change is related to this breach? I mean, from a publicity standpoint, possibly, right? I mean, breaching 7,000 veterans is nothing that's small. I mean, that's a big, that's a big violation there. Um, and the crazy part is, is it took, it's now 2021 and it took six years before they had the settlement here, which kind of goes to show you that some of these HIPAA violations, uh, you know, it takes a long time. There's a long process of investigation that happens from the, uh, department of health and human services under the office of civil rights. So, um, you know, when a breach happens, if, if you're a healthcare organization, a breach happens to you, um, you know, you have to go through the remediation and reporting steps that are defined within HIPAA. And then, you know, depending on how many people you've affected could kick off an investigation that could take, I mean, you know, six years. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very scary. And that's it for this week's wrap up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Matt Moneypenny and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Bandage Podcast produced by eTactics.